Welcome to A Table in the Corner, a podcast by me, Russell Wasserfall. As a writer, editor, photographer, and cookbook publisher, I've been working in the media space for over three decades. I've also run music venues and bars, owned a couple of restaurants, and eaten a lot of fabulous meals. Join me as I chat to the chefs, producers, and entrepreneurs who drive the food industry. Together, we'll dig deeper into our obsession with the business of eating. If you like the show, hitting follow really helps our numbers. You can also leave content ideas and comments on the Instagram page at A Table in the Corner. On this episode, I'm talking to Gillian Key. Um, Gillian and I met some years ago at um, a table at the May, the restaurant we ran in Stellenbosch, and we had a very interesting conversation about running franchise operations. At the time, she had an ocean basket, and I remembered all the times I've seen her commenting on our local Facebook food groups, and it seems that she knows a lot about food, so I reached out and we're together chatting today. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> Lovely to have you here. My, my pleasure to be here. The birds are tweeting in the garden. We're outdoors in your lovely deck. Beautiful fresh figs we can pick off the tree and eat. Oh, look at that. Yes, exactly. The reason I wanted to chat to you particularly is because there's always so much focus on the kind of individual fine diners. Everyone wants to know what the chef or that chef is doing. And very few, there's very little information about the real business of running restaurants, the suburban mom and pops, the, the, the franchise restaurants that, that exist. And, and yet they are such a massive engine in this industry. You, if I understand, you now run a Mozambique franchise? Correct. Okay. And you used to do Ocean Basket. Correct. Okay. Have you always run, cause you, you said just now that you've run a few restaurants. So we've done, um, in the southern suburbs, we had a, business called Funky Fish okay. and Funky Bistro. So okay. it was quite, um, it was a bit of a pioneer in those kinds of businesses because it sold fresh fish. Yes. It had a deli. Mm-hmm. We did takeaways, which was like grilled lionfish and a Greek salad, as opposed to fish and chips, which we did as well. Mm-hmm. And we had a little bistro. Right. How, when was that? Oh, that was in... Must be in the mid nineties. Nineties, okay. And then we had an Italian restaurant across the road called Bon Gusto. Mm-hmm. So we would run across run. the main road, which was <laughs> dodging, quite amazing. Dodging, dodging the traffic. Yes. Yeah. So, so you actually ran a mom and pop before you got involved in yes. franchise operations. Well, we, my husband and I met at the Spur, the Golden Spur restaurant. My husband was the training manager of the Spur franchise at that mm. time. And my brother got involved financially and asked me to come and work in the business. That's where I met Richard. So I was in the Spur and then we left there and actually had a restaurant on a wine farm. At Velmut. Then came back to town and Richard got involved in the Ocean Basket brand. We've done lots of other things. I ran Oakhurst Farm Stall many years ago in Kenilworth. So you know a lot about running restaurants. Yes. You know a lot about costing a restaurant, yes. about costing a menu, about Absolutely. managing stock, training staff. If you know all that, why would you go and be part of a franchise operation? So the Ocean Basket came about because 
My husband was involved in the franchise company. He was the regional manager for the Eastern Cape, the Western Cape, when it was developing. So it was very exciting and there were lots of store openings and meeting franchisees and seeing if they fitted the franchise. You know, people have a concept that if you just open a restaurant and customers come in and at the end of the month you've got a beautiful bank balance. Well, it's not like that at all. And at the end of two years you have a Porsche in the driveway. Exactly. It's really, really, really not like that. And it's less and less and less like that. One of the things that I really don't like about food platforms of any sort is that people who comment in a way which is very derogatory sometimes about a restaurant when they have absolutely no idea what it's like to run a restaurant. It's a bit like having children. Until you've had one, you know nothing about it. So you have a Mozambique franchise now. Yes. Um, And you moved from Ocean Basket. Why the jump? Many reasons. A lot of it to do with the new management, Mm -hmm. upper management in the franchise company. And it ended up being a very, very acrimonious divorce that needed to take place. So we we had the, the lease in the site. And when it came to the renewal, we decided to go with Mozambique. Now, Mozambique, they started in KZN. And I remember going to the original Mozambique. Was it, it was in Belito, north of Durban? That's, That's right. still okay. owned by the CEO of the franchise company, okay. Brett Michelin. If the quality and the menu has followed through from what I experienced in, in Belito, then it's fantastic. It is absolutely outstanding. The quality of all the products that we have to buy from Mm -hmm. the central kitchen are of a magnificent standard. Really? Every time I eat a meal there, which is pretty often, four times a week, I'm like, wow, this is so good. That's a great feeling to be able to sit in your own restaurant and eat the food and actually rave about it. But it's also a great thing, even as a franchisee, franchisor, franchisee. Franchisee. You are in your restaurant. Are you there greasing people? We are now 18 years old in that site, and we have about six, seven staff that have been with us since day one. All our managers have come up from being waited, so they understand the business better than anyone. And they've walked the yard. They've had full training in the back of house. Our general manager has been with us for 16 years. We we c- try and concentrate on the marketing, just tightening the, the systems yes, to make okay. sure everything's very systems orientated in okay. our shop. So it backs up the management. They have the support of knowing that when you come in, you check everything and you do this and you do that. And we're there some evenings, but we're not the face of the brand, of the business. I understand. Okay. We're there, we love to be there, we chat to everybody, but our management, Look. our waiters and our back of half staff have been there for so long that the customers know them all. And do you have a lot of regulars? I mean, Yes. And, and, and did they follow you in the changeover from... Yes. Who are you... Because in the one C- city, it's kind of out of the way. So, so who, who's the customer you're servicing? So the customer profile has changed dramatically, obviously, over 18 years, as it would anywhere. Yes. It's a very solid suburban mall. The parking is free, which is a big plus. It's very much mm, kind of income bracket that wants to eat out but wants to be at a franchise. So it's a, so it's a so sort we're of a, in wor- a food court. So it's a working middle class correct area, yeah. and that's yes. who you're servicing. Yes. Okay. Yeah, lots of new faces uh, since the changeover, since the Mozambique. So we still have prawns, calamari. Hey, oh. our seafood is still very powerful in our particular store because yes. it's you know people by association. We're able to 
have those customers as well as people who like chicken and ribs and steak and... So you're kind of a one-stop shop in a sense for everyone except the vegans. Well, we've got nice things, actually. We've got a magnificent vegetarian curry that's made with coconut milk. Chickpeas. We've got papun ushatini, which is pap with a delicious kind of tomato sauce that goes over it. This is the thing that I wanted to ask you about. You know how to run a restaurant. You know how to cost a restaurant. You know how to train the staff. You know how to keep staff, obviously, from the time you open your doors (laughs) until today for 16 years why would you go to a franchise what what does a franchise offer you that you can't do yourself what a franchise offers you is bums on seats particularly our marketplace they either in our food court they are comfortable with a franchise so everything in our food court is a franchise there is not a standalone at all and these are people who are not reading restaurant guides or attending the eat out award definitely not they are your perfect franchise customer and they're going to more of them than they are of anybody else and they're going to a suburban bry and their friends say hey i was at this place mozambique and it's fantastic you should go and that's that's the referral they get they're not scan necessarily scanning um, social media not. looking for the latest hotspot. No, okay. definitely not. Okay. And there are more of them. You see, it's it's that old data. Years ago, someone said to me, you know, rather sell a hundred burgers to someone and make a rand a burger than sell two meals to someone and make 10 bucks a meal. Mm. Yeah? Is that a principle? Absolutely. Or? Yeah. But turnovers for vanity and profits are for sanity. You know, you can run a restaurant, you can do massive turnovers, and then suddenly you read, oh, the restaurant's closing down. Yeah. Because if you're not watching, food, booze... And money. You see, because, and, and this goes again to, to, to that spectre of the, the kind of Joe public who, who writes or speaks as if all restaurateurs are robber barons. Mm. But the margins on food are diminishingly small. I, I've got an old figure in my head from something in 2017 where the, where, where the mom and pop tray, that single restaurant owner, their margins are like 14% or something. If you, if you started a plumbing business or whatever the case may be, and, and, and someone said, well, your margins are 14%, so I'm not, Sorry, exactly. no, 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 I'm not getting in my bucky today. Exactly. No, 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 no. So it's got, it has got worse and worse and worse. You're impacted as well by increases, particularly in seafood. So the one thing that the CEO of Mozambique does phenomenally well is he sources incredibly well. So our prawns are amazing. And I'll give you an example on one of the Facebook platforms. Somebody was saying, where can you get a kilogram of prawns for a decent price? And somebody said, oh, you can get them here for $2.99. And I said, well, we've got a deal actually for this Sunday, only a kilogram for $3.59. And I said, remember, don't you know you can compare apples and pears because yeah. you get the most disgusting prawns and you get a very delicious high quality prawn with a beautiful sauce you can't really compare that you know exactly and and, and this this is it because at the end of the day and i think this is true about um south africans and retail we're the biggest deal hunters or one of the biggest deal hunting nations in terms of shopping for the basics and i would guess that that goes for for restaurants too. And there are always these complaints, oh, restaurants are so expensive and they're priced for the tourists. But in fact, restaurants are not setting out to price for the tourists. They're pricing Definitely realistically not. because they have to survive year long. Absolutely. Yeah. In one city, 
does not get a tourist. Secondly, we're a brand. Wherever you go within the country and with it's the same it's price. It's the same price yeah. for exactly the same product. So yes, yeah, so the the costs of running a restaurant are staggeringly high. Mm. And mm. it's very difficult to make money. It really is. But for you then you you decided to kind of give up some of your autonomy in order to go with a with a franchise or do you, yeah, do you not um, see it like that i felt very much like that in yeah. the ocean basket okay i felt like this had nothing to do with me and i was purely working for somebody else okay and really not enjoying it i now feel that i'm in a an extension of my home Brett understands the industry inside art. He understands that Brett's every the CEO, the CEO yes. understand that every store site has different needs. In our market, we need to run specials all the time because our customer walks into the food court, walks around to see who's got the best special, and that's what gets them into your doors. Yes. There's not a lot of loyalty. But if you're running a great special, they're going to come in. Brett allows us to do specials. Yeah. Because he knows that we are experienced and we're not going to do specials that are going to hurt anybody. We just need to give value for money. Yeah. So he understands that. So And the food is so delicious and the atmosphere is so happy that it's just a pleasure to be there. Do you still do? Because the thing that, that immediately struck me about Mozambique, the first time I went into, into the Belito branch, was that when you went and you got these um, pan-fried peanuts in a in a Yes. Of, is that a Clever. So, and I've been in Maputo and been in the market and bought those peanuts, those, yes. the, those pan fried peanuts. And it was, it was such a kind of an authenticity and, 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 and a kindness about the brand that I thought was excellent. He's a very clever man. And it's also called Afro Porto. So it's not classic Portuguese. Yes, of course. But there are things that are on the menu that are so delicious, like a calamari espetada. Mm-hmm. You know, where else do you see a calamari espetada? No, and, yeah. you know, the prawn and chicken espetada has got queen prawns. And I do feel like it's an extension of my home. And I do think the food is exceptional. And that's why I'm happy, because okay. I feel proud of the food that we serve. So, Gillian, we've addressed the thing that I'm really interested in, which was the, the um, kind of franchise and the move from from mom and pop and standalone to franchise and the reasoning behind it. But you do a lot about food and, 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 um, we've, I've arrived for this chat today and you're in the kitchen making sauces for poke bowls that you sell at the main art theater and you've got a food truck. So, so there's a lot about food in you. Where does that all come from for you? What, it, it, what is it about food? Why do you want to run restaurants? And, and also you, you've, you, you comment so intelligently so often on these, um, social media groups that, that, that we all follow as foodista people. Where does it come from? So I was born to a set of parents. My mom particularly um, was a Holocaust survivor. She came to South Africa as a young 13-year-old and was six when the war broke out. So food was obviously a very big issue for her, but she cooked incredibly well, like incredibly well. She had a she had it in her fingers, and it could only be genetic because it certainly wasn't how she grew up. Yeah. She did mention that her mom, she remembered her mom having a pasta machine in her kitchen. Okay. So clearly that's where I got the gift from. She cooked 
exquisitely she baked magnificently so i think that that was it you that know was the that's, start that for was you. the start that yeah, was how we yeah. ate and then when i was at school i was friendly with Nikki Romano, whose mother is Yvonne Romano, who started the Greek cooking school and Greek catering. Okay. And Philippa Schaefer, her daughter Jan and I. Right. And so I spent a lot of time in homes of people who cooked exquisitely and new food. Right. And I left school at like 17 when I matriculated. And I went to work at Woolworths and I started off in the fashion side, in the uh, the retail, and then I moved into the food, into food, okay. into the food. So that was exciting and exhilarating. And then, and then Bill Stafford, I don't know if you remember him, Bill Stafford came to Cape Town and started Choices, which was the first delicate little, what was a uh, nouvelle cuisine restaurant in Cape Town. Okay. And he ran, he started a chef's training school of which... His first pupil was David Higgs. So I joined that. I did the course. And who was our appy in the kitchen next to Bill Stafford? David, David Higgs. Higgs. Have yes. you seen what he's done with pantry? Yes. And, more? Oh, and he's such so a lovely magnificent. man. And he is. He so truly there were, is. There were, I was an older student. A mature I was student. Mature, I was we running, don't use that word sorry. in the show. You were I a was, mature student. I was running Oakhurst Farm Store. It was when Italian food started, started popping to, up, yes. you know, proper olive oil, balsamic vinegar, and I was stocking all that. So all the food stylists were, and all the chefs were coming to me, and I met them, and it was a whole wonderful interactive experience, and I loved it. I love retail, so yeah. I loved it. <laughs> Amazing. And, and, and so you've, you, you, you've always somehow, there's, it's been food, food, food for you. If you think, oh, I want to do something, it's, it's going to be food related, so... How do the Pokeballs figure? We have very good friends whose son has a real, also a completely natural talent for food. And he went overseas somewhere, I think it was Singapore, overnight or whatever, and he saw this queue. And what were they selling? Pokeballs. Hadn't been heard of before in Cape Town. Yes. He decided to open up Hokey Pokey. I don't know if you recall it. There was one in Church Street, one in the V&A food market that's now time out mm. and in seapoint in the mojo market and yes okay okay hokey pokey yes right. yes yes in mojo. so we were involved with max in that okay so that's where we learned about pokey poke that unfortunately closed during covid i yeah. mean such fresh daily fresh how fresh. do you how do you it do was, that you couldn't you survive no, no it was no. impossible and by the time covid was over you know pick and pay were doing poke so so what happened was this opportunity arose with Maynardville, and we thought, what can we do in our truck? What 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 Maynardville? So Maynardville, as the a Catonian, well, it's a it's an amphitheatre, right. and it's a park. It's okay. always I've open. I've been to the ballet there. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's that okay. it's the most wonderful thing, and it deteriorated as well with lack of funding, and it became unsafe to go there. And then, yes. fortunately. Some visionary decided it needed to be relaunched. And last year they launched um, the Maynardville season and they decided to have food trucks there. And when we heard about that, we thought, oh, we live a stone's throw away. away yeah. We've okay. got this combi that we had made, but without refrigeration. So we make the poke mm -hmm. here mm -hmm. and we 
drive it across, which takes about 11 seconds. We sell it out of the food truck. Out of the food truck. And we just do it for this month. We okay. also do, people want us to do catering, but it has to obviously be a decent number because it's a lot of work. A lot work. of work doing a poker A ball. lot of work. Wow. Yeah. And all and, by hand. And when you say we make it here, um, that's why we can hear the birds tweeting because yes. we're sitting in, in the garden of your home and, and the kitchen is right behind yes. us. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And that's fantastic. Isn't running... Mozambique enough. So now you've also got the, the, the poke bowls and the, what else do you do? We also do something <laughs> called Traveling Spoon, which is an international food company where it's, you can, where you book an experience to eat in a home, cook with the hosts, yeah. and then enjoy the meal. So we do that. It's a fantastic concept. Anybody who travels overseas who's a foodie should Google it and go and have that experience. The other thing that's highly beneficial is that you hear about things from a local. So, so you have foreign devils in your home? We have foreign, yes. In our home, they ring the bell, they come in, we've never met them before, we know nothing about them, they know nothing about us. And because they're foodies, they generally are fantastic people. If you want to do this, you know, if you, if this is what you do when you're on holiday, then you're perfect for us. Let's just talk a little bit about Gillian Key, the foodista, because the knowledge of what's going on in the local kind of foodie restauranty scene is it's strong with you. It's like the force. How do you, do, 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 do you keep up with it just because you're fascinated or do you keep up with it so you can stay in touch with what's going on in your market? What? So I think that I do it because I am basically obsessed with food. <laughs> That's the long and the short <laughs> Very of it. Good, yes. um, we eat out a lot less than we used to eat out. Yeah because it's become very expensive, so expensive yeah. and largely disappointing. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, so, you know what? Why I say that Lakolom is, you actually, it's an art form. Yeah. I feel the same way about Chef's Warehouse at Bo Constantia. Yeah. It's a magnificent experience overall. The waiters are phenomenal. They are unpretentious. Yeah. They've got senses of humor. They're great. You can talk to them. It's a beautiful experience. And it's also particularly Bo Constantia, is actually a, a very reasonable experience. I don't think that it's, 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 it's priced beyond. And that's why Ivor Jones's restaurant is full year-round because well he gives good value. The quality is exceptional. The the technique of cooking, the sourcing of ingredients, it's amazing. It Sorry, is. But now I'm going off on a tangent. Okay. So, so, so for me, I want to go there. I don't want to go to a restaurant that charges three quarters of that and it doesn't even come close to that quality. I understand. And that. there are many restaurants like that. Mm. If we're gonna eat out, if it's once every three months, it's going to be fantastic. Fantastic. And it's gonna be worth that. Right. I can't afford like alarm anymore, no. but when I have been I've always enjoyed it yes. because it because it's art. It's, it's like not, art. It's an experience. It's not a meal. You're no, not going there because no. so, you don't feel like cooking curry tonight or no. spag bog. Yeah. No, yeah. I don't want to spend four hundred hours making a reduction and a jus and a flu and a foam and a. No. That's what I go out for. There and if go. I'm going to have a jus, I mean, I I am trained, so I know 
how to make jus. Yes. And I know what goes behind making a jus. And you know I that if you jus. taste it, whether it's good or not. Correct. Yes, exactly. That's where I am with food. Okay. And, that, and I suppose I keep in touch through probably reading and different guides that are available. And as someone appears to be mowing their lawn... Yes. Um, while we're recording this in your garden, I'm going to end off here. And thank you so very, very much for welcoming me. Into oh, your it's been fantastic. You feel like an old friend. <laughs> well, in a sense, we yes. are. Because you, you, you were a reasonably regular customer yes. at the table at Demay. Yes. And we are, loved having you. So, And Richard, your husband. Yes. Thank you again. It's a pleasure. Thank you to my guest today and to all the creators, innovators and sloggers who take the time to chat to me at a table in the corner. Thank you for listening. And if you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave a comment. Until we meet again, please consider what you eat and where it comes from. Most of all, support small business, consume sustainably, and wherever possible, buy local.